The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. In early June 1912, residents of southeast Alaska began to feel earthquakes daily. Earthquakes are common in the region, which is well known for its geologic instability, though these were getting stronger. The remaining two families at Katmai Village evacuated, and they were just in time. On June 6th, the largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century exploded. The skies darkened and the sun disappeared for more than 60 hours. And the aftermath of the explosion was felt hundreds of miles away. I'm Jason Epperson, and this week on America's National Parks, the Nova Rupta Volcano in Katmai National Park. Crew members on an ocean steamer saw the towering cloud of ash rising from the shore. Within two hours, the steamer was enveloped in darkness as the ash settled around them. 100 miles away in Kodiak, Alaska, ash filled the air and brought such extreme darkness that people could barely see a lantern held at arm's length. A foot of ash covered the town, causing polluted water, collapsing roofs, and ash avalanches that wrecked local buildings. Many Alaska Native families were on the land, fishing and hunting in preparation for winter at the time of the eruption. One six-year-old remembered what it was like to see the sky go dark. And then afternoon, sometime in the afternoon, it was just like this, bright sunshine, hot, no wind. That's when the volcano started. Started snowing like that fine pumice coming down make a lot of noise the size of rice, some of it, some of it smaller, and some of it bigger, and some of it was as big as a kettle or pot. Kaflia Bay started to get white gradually. That water used to be blue, flat, calm, no wind, and started to get white, white, white. And pretty soon all white and dark, dark came. Dark didn't come all of a sudden, it comes gradually, getting darker and darker and darker and darker, and pretty soon, pitch black. So black, even if you put your hand out two or three inches from your face outside, you can't see it, because it was so dark. Other children were excited when the volcano first started, running to the tops of hills to get a better look at the mountain. Adults hurried to fill containers with water and collect the fish they had been salting and smoking. The dark columns of rock and ash that filled the air from Nova Rupta are classic signals of the type of eruption called Plinian. Vesuvius, the volcano that erupted over Pompeii, Italy in the year 79 AD, had the same towering column of smoke. In Alaska in 1912, more than three square miles of magma exploded out of Nova Rupta which is 30 times more than the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens. 
ash was catapulted more than 100,000 feet into the atmosphere, and Kodiak Island was darkened for more than three days. The summit of Mount Katmai also collapsed as magma drained and was vented to the Novarupta eruption six miles away. Today, there is a nearly two mile wide and 2,000 foot deep caldera at the site of Mount Katmai's once towering summit. In 1916, a group of National Geographic explorers set off to survey the region surrounding Mount Katmai. They hiked through the Katmai River Valley and over Katmai Pass when they reached the valley on the other side. What they saw astonished them. The floor of the valley was fissured and cracked and tens of thousands of smokes were curling up towards the sky, called fumaroles. The river valley was no longer covered in the shrubs and tundra that the Aleutic people once walked on. The explorers renamed the area the Valley of 10,000 Smokes. The pyroclastic flows from the 1912 eruption filled the valley floor with hot ash and pumice. Any snow fields or streams were flashed into steam upon impact, and these volcanic steam vents shot into the sky for years following the eruption. Though we now know the steam was a temporary impact of the eruption, one of the botanists of the National Geographic team, Robert F. Griggs, thought a shallow magma chamber was the cause of the steam, meaning the geologic features would be permanent. He marveled at them and imagined them rivaling the geysers in Yellowstone National Park in time. Griggs partnered with the National Geographic Society to protect the area, and their efforts were partially responsible for the creation of Katmai National Monument in 1918. Most of the heat trapped underneath the volcanic flow disappeared by the 30s, and with it disappeared the fumaroles. Volcanoes in the park and the Aleutian Islands are part of the Pacific Ring of Fire, made up of multiple volcanic chains that line the edges of the Pacific Ocean. The Ring of Fire is the boundaries of shifting tectonic plates that form the Earth's crust. As the plates shift, collide, and move under each other, they cause earthquakes and volcanic activity, and these movements are still continuing today. The valley within Katmai National Park had been home to humans as early as 9,000 years ago. People have hunted, fished, and gathered food off of the land for hundreds of generations. Year-round villages and many seasonally used camps used to sit on what is now Katmai National Park and Preserve. The valley was full of resources until the eruption in 1912 deposited more than 600 feet of ash, forcing the inhabitants to leave and resettle elsewhere along the Alaska Peninsula. Many native villages were forced to evacuate before and during the eruption, and some were never able to return. Today's Katmai residents still have strong ties to their homeland, even though many precious ceremonial items were lost due to the village abandonment. On our trips back to our ancestral homeland near Brooks Camp, in what is now Katmai National Park, as far back as I can remember, our father, Trifon Angusson, would look toward Old Savanoski, where he was born, proclaiming, There are masks in the caves. Anyone within hearing range would smile with contentment that the masks of our ancestors, carved and used in ceremonies, were safely tucked away. In 1993, we learned that Harry Featherstone removed the masks in 1921. The news violated our sacred trust. President Wilson had declared the area a national monument in 1918. 
How could this happen? Harry Featherstone built a cabin on Naknek Lake and made a living as a trapper. He removed 35 masks from an overhang and hung them on his walls as decoration. He gave seven to a Naknek school teacher who then placed them in the Alaska Territorial Museum, which is now the Alaska State Museum in Juneau. No one knows where the other 28 ended up. In 1918, a flu epidemic swept through the Katmai people, decimating their numbers. In 1994, the Council of Katmai Descendants formed and dedicated themselves to preserve their members' cultural heritage by educating youth. Many Katmai descendants still practice substance and participate in park management through Alaska Native corporations and nonprofits. In such a seismically active region, it's important to think about how future eruptions might impact Alaska. People would likely be stranded until the eruption was cleaned up, and Alaska is very dependent on aviation for transport to and delivering food to remote villages. Aircraft carrying thousands of passengers and cargo worth millions of dollars a day pass by more than 40 historically active volcanoes. By studying historic eruptions, we can learn more about future risks of volcanic eruptions in Alaska and the Katmai region. Today, Katmai National Park and Preserve is more popularly known for its bear viewing. People around the world can tune into a live stream camera to watch brown bears fish for salmon in Brooks Falls. This is one of the best places to watch brown bears in the world because of the high and early spawning salmon population that booms throughout the summer. Bears have a hard time fishing during the summer because salmon are swimming in the large rivers and lakes. The falls act as a temporary barrier to migrating salmon, which makes it a great fishing spot for the bears. Sockeye salmon spend two or three years in the ocean before returning to the river that they were born in. Full of energy, they swim upstream until they deposit and fertilize their eggs before dying shortly after. On average, they weigh five to seven pounds. In Katmai, the salmon run starts in late June. After a single month, more than a million fish may have migrated from Bristol Bay into the Naknek Lakes and Rivers. They will spawn from August to October in the loose gravel riverbeds. The following year, the fish will come out of the rocky river bottom and migrate to the sea where they will stay for two or three years, and the cycle continues. Bald eagles, bears, and many other creatures in Katmai directly or indirectly depend on salmon for a healthy, functioning ecosystem. A large bear can catch and eat more than 30 fish in a single day, which could also be part of the reason why Katmai's bears can grow so big. Adult male brown bears in Katmai usually weigh 600 to 900 pounds in midsummer, but by the fall, large males can weigh over a thousand pounds. Biologists at Katmai National Park keep careful records each year of ways they can better identify individual bears that come to the falls. Each bear gets a unique number, but they aren't collared or tagged. Body and ear size and shape, sex, scars, claw color, and fur color is all used to help identify a single bear. In the fall, the bears will head to nearby mountains or slopes to create a den and hibernate for the winter. If you want to catch a glimpse of the brown bears of Katmai this season, check out the park's cameras in September.
This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration from Abigail Trebu and written by Lindsay Taylor. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast. And if you're interested in RV travel, check out the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.